This is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you're here for this episode of Revelation God Rules, episode 11, The Resurrection of the Antichrist, for Sunday, March 26, 2023. Well, we're glad you're here, and if you're just joining us, go back and catch up on the previous 10 episodes, and you'll be right up to speed. Singer-songwriter Cat Stevens said this, There's a common threat facing all of us, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and that is the Antichrist. It's a very deep subject, and it's a horrendous thing to contemplate. Someone will appear who is, in fact, the opposite of what he appears to be. Some people believe in him, and that's really frightening. In Islam, there's a belief that Jesus will return to destroy the Antichrist, which is something many people don't know about the Islamic faith. Well, I'm sure that Cat Stevens probably knows that Islam got that from Christianity, from the New Testament, because the New Testament predicted before Islam became a religion that the Lord Jesus Christ would in fact return from heaven to destroy the Antichrist that Cat Stevens speaks of. But I will give him this. He is right on that. The entire world, religious and non-religious, is facing an ominous future in a person that we popularly refer to as the Antichrist. Now, we're going to Revelation 13, where we began last week. And what I'm trying to do is slow things way down in our episode so that we could take the time to understand more. I don't think we'll understand it all, but to understand more about the predicted Antichrist called in Revelation the first beast. So basically, you ought to ask yourself, well, you know, is, isn't this just something that modern evangelical Christianity conservatives thought up? Uh, no, you'd be wrong on that. And anybody that's saying that is completely wrong and you shouldn't be listening to them. Here, here are the facts. There was a Christian pastor named Irenaeus. He was discipled directly by John the Apostle to whom the Lord revealed the book of the Revelation. He's the same John in the, the uh, Gospels that is often uh, paired with his brother, James and John, and of course, Peter, that same one who was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and after the resurrection became an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Irenaeus was discipled directly by John the Apostle who taught what the apostles taught. That is, Irenaeus understood very clearly what John the Apostle taught about Bible prophecy. He taught the same thing that all the apostles taught. There would be a real pre-tribulation rapture of the church prior to the tribulation. There would come a real tribulation upon the earth that would last seven years there would come a real Antichrist who would appear early in that seven years, but the last three and a half years would really, 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 really be the Antichrist in all capital letters. 
that there was a real pre-millennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth's future, and that after that, there would be a real millennial kingdom, a real heaven, and a real hell. All the stuff that people mockingly accuse evangelical Christians of creating or inventing, like, oh, well, all of this just comes from Tim LaHaye and his series Left Behind. Hey, let me tell you something. I like Tim LaHaye, by the way, and I think he's spot on because he used the Bible to to write those books, all right? You understand? And the Bible recorded all of this long before Tim LaHaye was ever born. We're talking here about beliefs recorded in Scripture in both the New Testament and the Old Testament that date back at least 2,500 years ago. When you think, for example, of what the prophet Daniel wrote in his book, read all 12 chapters, but especially Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 9, and you can read 10 and 11 and 12 too. And when you see that, you will realize, well, these things were predicted prior, long prior to the last couple of hundred years. And you'd be right if you realize that. So what is the major malfunction? What is the doctrinal disconnection here? Well, Augustine, as we've mentioned, sought to marry biblical Christianity to Greek philosophy. And it was a disaster for hermeneutics. Herman who? Hermeneutics. You know, that kid in your fifth grade class. No, I don't mean him. Hermeneutics is a long word, and all it stands for is a a study of how to properly interpret anything, but particularly the Bible. It is the science of interpretation, and it follows very clearly defined principles. And you can take any document using proper principles of hermeneutics and properly understand the meaning of that document, whether it's a legal contract or it's the Bible itself or the Declaration of Independence or the United States Constitution. So what happened, though, when Augustine tried to marry biblical Christianity to Greek philosophy is allegory and symbolism reduce the clear, obvious meaning of the Bible into cotton candy nothingness in many cases, but especially relating to biblical prophecy. Now, I'm not trying to tell you every single thing that could be said about the Antichrist in this episode or even in this whole series. It's a large subject, but each week as we have uh, come into this, we've tried to explain more and more so that you have a much better, more comprehensive understanding of this subject. Now, we saw last week in episode 10, the rise of the Antichrist. I cannot recap all of that. Go back and listen to episode 10. So today we come to the resurrection of the Antichrist. Now, right about now, I'm gonna put to work some of what I've just said. 
when you hear me talk about the resurrection of the Antichrist, first of all, some of you are saying, don't you mean the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And of course, he did literally, uh, was, was literally actually physically resurrected from the dead. And then he ascended to heaven. That's all true. I'm talking in this episode from Revelation 13 about the resurrection of the Antichrist. In other words, to put it this way, the Antichrist will copy and imitate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he wants the world to believe that he is Jesus Christ, which, of course, he certainly is not. He will not be Jesus Christ. But that's going to be uh, what we're going to look at today. Now, again, applying a little bit of what we've said, when we say the resurrection of the Antichrist, if, if we make the mistake of allegory and symbolism, then we, we drift out into a minefield, a theological minefield, <laughs> which you do not want to be in. Like, well, what do we mean by the resurrection of the Antichrist? Is it where the world returns to evil and blah, blah, blah. No, it means there's going to be a real Antichrist. And at some point in his career, we'll see that today, he is killed and he literally is resurrected and the whole world goes ape crazy about worshiping this one who, who they believe has risen from the dead. That's exactly what we're talking about today. Don't do what your average evangelical preacher or priest does when they drift off out into no man's land and start talking about some abstract idea. This is talking about a real, evil, political and spiritual leader who is coming in the earth's future. And I have a hunch it's a lot closer than we think based on what I'm seeing in the Bible and what I'm seeing going on around all of us right now. All right, let's go first. We're not going to Revelation 13 yet. Let's go first to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. This is where the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, lays out for us some of the important things about this coming beast, this Antichrist. Paul writes here, 2 Thessalonians 2, in verses 3 through 9, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, and he's talking here about the return of Christ and the second coming, the day of the Lord, okay? Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Who is he talking about here? Well, you would be right if you're guessing the Antichrist. Absolutely. He's talking about the beast that we're going to see here in Revelation 13. He's talking about the Antichrist, the beast that Daniel predicted would come when Daniel made his prophecy 2,500 years ago. Same person, all right? The man of sin, and he's also called here the son of perdition. 
And some people say it will be Judas because Judas was called a son of perdition. I don't necessarily hold to that. It could be, but that's not something the Bible teaches explicitly. Some people even say, well, it would be one of the Roman Caesars like Nero. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that clearly and explicitly. I understand how people get to that uh, possibility, and it may be, but it's not something that we're going to teach today. Paul goes on in uh, verse um, 4 of 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 9, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God, or proclaiming that he's God, obviously, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now again, don't make the mistake of the people who allegorize and spiritualize and symbolize everything in the Bible. What is this telling us in clear, point-blank language? There's coming one who will say that he is God and that he's greater than anything else or anyone else that's worship, and he's going to take a seat someplace where? In the temple of God. There will yet be a temple in Jerusalem in the future of the world. How do we know? Because it says that. There has to be a temple built in the future, and many believe that he will have a hand in making that happen. That's why he will be so popular among the Jewish people in Jerusalem so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, Paul breaks in here and says, remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Do you want to know something? He was in Thessalonica for three Sabbaths. I think I'm right on that. What is that, about two weeks? Two weeks, and he was teaching them about Bible prophecy. Get that in your heart and head. Every Christian from his earliest born-again moments is to begin to understand Bible prophecy. These were brand-new Christians Paul taught that to in Thessalonica. So he reminds them that he's been over this before with them in detail. Verse 6, And now ye know what withholdeth, so there's something restraining or holding back this appearance of the Antichrist. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So Paul taught them that too. And it's clearly the restraining ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are mixed up and you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is in fact God, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here it is, right here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is holding back the Antichrist. Verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. In other words, Satan is hard at work, always has been trying to bring this about. But he hasn't been allowed to do this yet. But he, he will when the Holy Spirit 
no longer holds back the appearance of the Antichrist. And when will that happen? Well, after the church is raptured to heaven, the Holy Spirit, his restraining ministry uh, of his own ministry, but also through the church that he empowers, that restraining ministry will no longer be exercised. He won't hold him back at that point. So then the Antichrist comes. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he, that's the Holy Spirit, God, only he who now letteth, and that means restrains, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So right now, the Holy Spirit is in the way, let's put it like that, of the Antichrist coming to the world's attention. But at some point in the future, maybe soon, that ministry will no longer be exercised and the Holy Spirit will allow the Antichrist to be revealed. And by the way, our whole series theme, Revelation, God Rules, this is another example of that. Yes, the Antichrist is coming, but you know what? He can't come until God allows him to come because God rules, not Satan, not the Antichrist. Verse eight, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. Now, we've just been told more there about the Antichrist and his career than, than we can even understand in one episode there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. So after you listen to the whole episode here today, you may want to go back and listen again to, to have God show you things that he's recorded in that passage that apply to the person we're about to see right now in Revelation 13. So let's go to Revelation 13. We're going to read, as we did last episode, the entire chapter. Then I'm going to come back to just a few verses and break them down so that we can understand this a few verses at a time, because this is a massive subject. All right, Revelation 13, and we're going to read the entire chapter, 1 through 18. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, 
and all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. All right, let's go back to Revelation 13 to the beginning I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go to, um, let's go to verse 6. I think we covered 1 and 2 last week, so we'll make a few comments here about those verses, but we'll focus on 3, 4, 5, and 6 today. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, 
and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now last week we remembered that this is the same thing the prophet Daniel was shown in Daniel chapter 7. And the Lord uses this again and shows the apostle John this about 500 years later in the uh, late 90s AD. So John sees this and he recognizes it immediately that it's the, you know, Daniel's prophecy right here. He's seeing that being continued. Now notice that this beast rises up out of the sea. That's from the Gentile nations. And he has seven heads. That's unusual, right? And 10 horns, very unusual. Horns talk about power. And upon his horns, 10 crowns. So who wears crowns? Kings wear crowns, right? And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. It's interesting to me that the power elites that are trying to control the future of the world right now have already spoken about dividing the world into 10 regions. That may be a fulfillment of, you know, when that happens of this verse. It could also be 10 political leaders or 10 nations in particular. It could be, you know, we have these... uh, Um, oligarchs, so-called, these people who are enormously wealthy, who think they know more than everybody else in the whole world. You know, for all I know, it could be 10 of them that are given basically control of the world greater than the governments of the world. We don't know exactly what will happen, but it's interesting to me that we've heard talk in the last several years of the earth being divided into 10 regions. That may, in fact, end up being a fulfillment in the future. We will have to wait and see. Verse two, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. In this verse, we saw last week that as John looks back at the history that had already occurred before he, him, you know, before he lived, he could see the same animals that Daniel saw looking ahead to the kingdoms that would come, you know, in his future. So Daniel sees them in one order, John sees them in reverse. Well, what is this leopard and, you know, the, the, um, it was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear. Well, a leopard is, uh, super fast, right? For sure. That's the empire of Alexander the Great. It, it was known for the great speed with which it conquered the Middle East. And the feet of a bear, that's the Medo-Persian empire. They were brutal in how they conquered people. And the mouth of a lion goes all the way back to Babylon. The symbol of Babylon was a winged lion. It was everywhere in Babylon. We have pictures of that, I think, today. I mean, not just pictures, but the actual thing. You know, archaeologists have found in ancient Babylon in the British Museum. And you've seen it if you've looked at old history books. 
the winged lion in gold. That's Babylon. Now, who is this dragon? Well, we saw this dragon in chapter 12. He is, and there's zero doubt about who this is because we're told who it is. This is Satan. This is Lucifer. This is a serpent back from the garden, okay? And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So this Antichrist, we know that he's satanically positioned. And we'll see as we go through this study in Revelation 13 that after his death and resurrection, he is literally indwelt by Satan. And so this is no ordinary political spiritual leader. This is the most unique human leader of world history that there will ever be, ever. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is God, and he obviously is and will be the greatest leader of the world ever. But this is Satan's best attempt to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to verse three. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. So this head, and and here comes the question again, is this talking about a, a form of government or is this a government leader? Yes. <laughs> we said last week that, that Hitler was Nazi Germany and Nazi Germany was Hitler. And when Hitler ended, Nazi Germany ended, period. Same idea. So this isn't like, uh, some people say this is Roman Empire, went out of business, was going to come back to life. Now, I do believe the Roman Empire will be revived for the last days. I do believe that. But I think right here, that's not what it's referring to. I think it's talking about the leader of this revived Roman Empire will be wounded to death. Many of us listening today were alive when President Kennedy was assassinated. We, we, might, we weren't standing on the street and saw it, but we saw it on TV. You know, many people were there and saw it. It was a horrendous event. So I use that, and I even use, for example, Abraham Lincoln's assassination. What it would have happened if either one of those presidents had been assassinated and dead, and everybody saw it and knew it, and they resurrected. (laughs) That would be a political leader on an order the world had never seen, right? That would get everybody's attention if, if that had happened with either of them. Well, that happens with this one called the beast, the Antichrist, because it says, and it's deadly, deadly means just what it is, it's a mortal wound, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. That's another reason, by the way, that it can't, in my mind, it can't just be the revival of the Roman Empire, although that's going to happen. I don't think that would make the whole world go crazy worshiping a form of government. But, but if the leader of that form of government was known by the whole world to have been killed and he comes back to life, a lot of people are going to worship that person. 
You see what I'm saying? And guess what? That's what it says in verse 4. And they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. So what this means is that even though he appears early in the tribulation and when he signs that covenant with Israel, that Israel is deceived into signing and that may involve allowing the temple to be built or maybe it's been built. We don't know that for sure, the timing on that, but that covenant that's signed that's the start of the tribulation period. And for a while, this person will deliver on promises of peace and safety. But it's, it's also like a two-sided coin. As long as you go along with him, it's great. But if you turn against him, he will destroy you. I mean, on a level that's never been done before in human history. So the, the people of the world and the governments of the world are going to get the message. Now, when you think about the World Economic Forum and their much-touted uh, global reset, oh, Pastor Ed, don't you know that's just a conspiracy theory? Have you got eyes in your head? Have you got ears on the side of your head? Can you think and hear? They have talked about this. We're just quoting what they said. Don't keep listening to liars in the media. Do your own research. And, and you will go like, wow, Pastor Ed was right. I have read it on the World Economic Forum website. Of course, it's all in glowing terms and all of that. Now, this is what I want you to understand. I think the World Economic Forum and the global elites, they think they've got a tiger by the tail. They can control this thing and build a global government. But what they don't know, what they have no idea about, some of them may know, I don't know, but let's just assume they don't know, is they think they're bringing the world a wonderful future. What they're in fact going to end up doing is being the sock puppets for Satan to build the global structure that the Antichrist will emerge to control. And if he doesn't need them, he'll just get rid of them. He doesn't need them after he gains total control. So that's what you've got to realize. And there is the idea, and I don't have time to go into it right now, but he, he kind of rises out of nowhere. Like, where did this leader come from? Nobody kind of saw him coming, but he arises to world control. And if he doesn't need the World Economic Forum and the global elites, then he'll just get rid of them because then he's in total control. That's what's going to happen. Now, let's, let's go back to what I forgot. I didn't get this far. And it was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, you said seven years, and this is only three and a half. 
Well, by the way, it's even even more precise than that. This is on a Jewish calendar of um, a 360-day year, and I'm not a math whiz and how they reconcile it like we do with 365 and a quarter. I don't know that. Anyway, I've listened to it. When I listen to it, I understand it. I cannot explain it. If you want to know more about that, all you got to do is go to YouTube and somebody will explain to you how that works. But here's what I want you to know. Even though he signs that covenant guaranteeing Israel's peace and safety at the start of the tribulation, at the three and a half year point, so he, he, he reigns as the world leader for 42 months. You know, you do what he says, things are great. You step out of line, you get slapped upside the head permanently. But at the midpoint, he is assassinated. He dies somehow and he's resurrected. Well, that second half of the tribulation, the other three and a half years, the other 42 months that Jesus Christ called the great tribulation, that's when all the the pretensions and masking and facades are dropped and he is evil incarnate and the devil literally lives through him. And we're gonna see what happens when that point is reached. But you know, here's another reminder, God rules. He's only able to be that three and a half years, 42 months. Jesus Christ is returning at the end of that to take him out and send him to hell. Boo! Amen. He doesn't rule forever. 42 months as the outright blatant Antichrist, seven total years as Antichrist, uh, you know, prior to his, you know what I just said. (laughs) I don't want to go through that again. You heard what I just said. So he reigns seven total years, last three and a half are, are the really bad parts. I mean, all of it's bad, but that's really bad. Verse six, and he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Now I want to ask you a question. Could that refer to the church that's been recently taken to heaven by this time in Revelation when it happens? I think it could because that's going to make all the people that hate God really mad when God just removes his church. Now, it doesn't mean that Christians cannot suffer right now, be persecuted right now, even be martyred right now. Many are right now. But the Lord Jesus Christ promises to take his bride, the church, home before his wrath is poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. Now, that's as far as we're going to go today. And we have, we have covered a lot of things right there. But listen, I want to ask you a question. If the rapture happened tomorrow, are you staying here with the earth dwellers? Or because you're born again, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, are you going up in the rapture to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven for seven years? Yes or no? If you don't know for sure, Possibly you're not even a Christian. I want you to write this number down and call a counselor who can speak with you about how to be sure you are a Christian. 888-388-2683. 
888-382-2683. Call that number. Now, others listening today, you're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian for real, but I'm, I'm struggling in my Christian growth. Call that number anyway. Someone will help you. Now, you're calling a Christian ministry, not me, but somebody will help you learn how to grow in your faith and, and live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ until either your life is over here or he takes you home with the church and the rapture. Listen, people, I can't predict dates and times, but I can tell you, based on what the Bible teaches, I look around me and I think, this is getting really serious. Now is the time to be saved and to live for Jesus because you're saved. Would you do me a favor? Would you like this episode, follow the podcast, and share it right now with others who need to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do that for me, would you? I'll be back next week with episode 12. Bye-bye.